This is MPN. Welcome to Movie Matchup. I'm Casey. And I'm Grace. A podcast where we talk in-depth about two movies with a common theme, and at the end, we'll talk about menu items that you can enjoy while having your movie marathon. Grace, what is this week's theme? This week's theme is Breaking the Fourth Wall. And uh, our first movie for Breaking the Fourth Wall is The Tingler, which was released in 1959, and uh, you can currently watch um I, I rented it from amazon how did you watch it yeah i watched it on uh amazon for 2.99 yeah um in the tingler dr warren chapin vincent price has made a surprising discovery the spine chilling sensation that people get when scared is due to a parasite that he dubs the tingler chapin concludes that in extreme circumstances, prolonged fear can cause the creature to damage a person's spine and even cause death if the victim can't scream, a theory that Oliver Higgins uses to deadly effect on his wife. Soon the tingler that killed the woman is on the loose. Scary. Yeah. Spine tingling. <laughs> and then our other film uh, for Breaking the Fourth Wall is Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, or as it was called when we saw it, <laughs> Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, and this is currently streaming on HBO Max if you have HBO Max. Okay, so the Rotten Tomatoes plot for Birds of Prey is, have you ever heard the one about the cop, the songbird, the psycho, and the mafia princess? <laughs> Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn is a twisted tale told by Harley herself, as only Harley can tell it. When Gotham's most nefarious narcissistic villain, Roman Sionis, and his zealous right-hand Zaz, put a target on a young girl named Cassandra Kane, the city is turned upside down looking for her. Harley, Huntress, Black Canary, and Renee Montoya's path collide, paths collide, and the unlikely foursome have no choice but to team up to take Roman down. So, in The Tingler, um, we actually begin with breaking the fourth wall yes. <laughs> immediately. First scene... Um, and it is uh, the director, William Castle, uh, comes out and speaks directly to the audience. And he is and we're going to talk about William Castle's like I, he goes he goes like full bore for the gimmicks. Yeah. <laughs> in this movie, yeah. so we're going to talk about all of them. <laughs> but he, first, he comes out and talks to the audience, um, warning of uh, the tingling sensation that happens when we're scared and encouraging the audience to scream. And that is then followed by uh, cut to black and we get a bunch of like floating heads screaming at the camera and, and flying towards us, yep. <laughs> which is just great. And I think really sets the mood for this movie. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> um, and then we cut to uh, a man in jail who's uh, looking very terrified and he's being like uh, perp walked like down to, we find out later, the electric chair. Uh, to be what's the executed word I'm for executed thank you <laughs> uh, he screams partway there and collapses into a heap and then we meet uh, our protagonist Vincent Price uh, as Dr. Warren and um, he is doing an autopsy on the man uh, as he's working another man comes in who we learn is named Ollie and he is uh, 
basically the the guy's brother-in-law. Yeah. I think he says it's his wife's it's his wife's brother. I'm not sure why she's not there, but um, <laughs> that who was just executed. There's a lot of drama with these families in, in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Very extreme drama, but <laughs> it, during this uh, talk that they're having, uh, Vincent Price lets know. I, I'm going to go back and forth probably between calling him Vincent Price and Dr. Warren because it's hard to just look at Vincent Price and not just think of him as Vincent yeah. Price. Yeah. <laughs> but he lets this guy know uh, that the uh, dude who's executed his spine is um, his like vertebrae are cracked. And he has this sort of uh, theory about um, what uh, has done it. He says that when our fear tensions uh, aren't released, then they can like cause extreme stress on the, it's, it's, (laughs) it's nonsense. (laughs) It's, it's scientific nonsense, but (laughs) you just kind of have to go with it. Yeah. It's such a fun plot. It's like such a fun idea, even though it's crazy science. It's not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Ollie, um, theorizes that this, um, thing on the back is, is the same thing that causes a, a, a sort of, uh, tingling sensation on the spine when you're scared. And so, uh, Vincent decides to name, uh, this thing, the tingler. Um, oh, he also says in this scene, which I thought was very funny, given what happens later, that science is sometimes frighteningly impersonal. Um, <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> uh, he offers Ollie a ride back to his home. Uh, and um, when he gets there, he sees uh, that uh, Ollie owns a silent movie theater. This is the late 50s. So this is actually a thing that I, I learned upon research was uh, very common. There were a lot of sort of <laughs> dying silent movie theaters in the country that were showing old movies in order to try to, to you know, stay alive. Um, and there was a, a whole lot of work that went into it and, and uh, not a whole lot of profit to be made <laughs> oh. from these theaters. So uh, Ollie invites Vincent Price up for some coffee. Um, he stops by and talks to his work- wife who's wor- working the ticket booth. And we <clears throat> see that she's uh, deaf and mute. Yeah. And um, they go upstairs. Uh, it's not long before um, his wife also joins them and she sticks a stack of money into a safe, surprisingly big stack of money considering they own a silent movie theater. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she clearly has a lot of, like, phobias, I'll say. She needs to wash her hands as soon as she's finished handling the money. Um, and then Vincent Price cuts himself on a plate and she uh, faints. Um, although, according to Vincent Price and his science-ness, the <laughs> she, did not, she does not actually faint. Um, she, the, the way she faints, like she gets very stiff. And so it's because, uh, she cannot release her fear tensions by screaming because she's mute. So, um, the, the faint is a psychosomatic escape for her. Um, (laughs) so, uh, then upon tending to, uh, the wife a bit, because he is a doctor after all, um, he leaves and goes home. We meet uh, Lucy, who is his uh, sister-in-law, and it takes a while to figure out who these two people are to each other, although they have a very warm relationship. Yes. Um, 
Um, but yes, it's his sister-in-law, and she is dating uh, Vincent's employee, his like lab partner, like a, like employee. A sis- yeah, like assistant, assistant, but like kind of partner. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's waiting, currently waiting on him so that they can go out to eat because uh, Vincent has him working late. At the same time, we learn that uh, her sister and Vincent's wife is uh, out on the town, uh, presumably messing around on him because she's not a faithful wife. Um, and so, uh, Dave finally shows up, he drops off a cat for some experiments, which, um, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also a new drug, um, that Vincent requested, (laughs) which is LSD, which was apparently legal at the time that this movie was made. (laughs) Yeah, at the time you just, you scoop up a cat off the street to do experiments on, and you just get LSD, <laughs> and uh, your science lab is also in your house, I guess. Just all yeah. of these things. <laughs> so then some time passes, and um, Vincent's doing some research on LSD. And when his uh, wife comes back, he checks outside. She's making out with some dude. Um, just really <laughs> very immoral behavior from all the people involved in this movie. But <laughs> upon seeing her, Warren picks up a gun. Uh, and uh, and throws it into his jacket, and then he confronts her. They argue. Um, she is basically sick of him spending all of his time in in the lab, and she doesn't want her sister to f- sort of follow in her footsteps by marrying um, Dave, the you know his his lab partner. Um, and he thinks that it's horrible that she won't um, support her sister. Uh, they, she apparently has all the money that was left to her by her father who died. And so he wants her to give his, her sister half of that money so that she can, uh, get married to Dave and that they can use the money for their experiments because I guess they don't actually make any money as scientists. Yeah. They just seem to like experiment on stuff. There was one small detail about like Isabel's money, uh, because they both, they clearly have a terrible marriage and it's just this, Mm -hmm. like they technically live together but they don't like each other anymore. And so she doesn't want anything to do with him. And she's so bitter because she has like financially supported him for these Mm -hmm. stupid experiments. Um, But what he has over her is that she poisoned their father. She killed their father to get his money. She apparently murdered their father for the money. (laughs) And will not share the fortune with her younger sister. So she won't marry for love. And just this David guy who yeah. doesn't have money for these shit, but yeah. So anyway. So then um, after after all of that backstory, which is a lot to take in, yeah. <laughs> um, Vincent Price pulls out the gun and uh, requests that um, his wife uh, go to the lab. Um, and it's supposedly because it will be easier to arrange things, as he says, in the lab. <laughs> And then he gives her an ultimatum, either she shares all the money or he's going to kill her and make it look like a suicide. Um, And she still refuses at this point, which I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I guess she's, I guess maybe she's very certain that he's not going to kill her. Um, And then he shoots uh, and she faints. He does not actually shoot her. It is a blank, but she faints out of fear. um, And then he sets her up on like the 
the lab table and takes a bunch of x-rays of her uh, while she's fainted. Um, she eventually wakes up and then implies that she's going to kill him next time <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> Which, you know, fair. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's just, it's just a bad marriage. You just need to... Some, some people just need to get divorced, you know? Yeah, this movie's not great for marriage. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so then uh, Dave and Lucy eventually come back, and uh, Vincent's very excited. He's caught something on the x-rays, and it looks like um, just something even denser than bone that's sort of crawling along the spine. Um, <laughs> yeah. He basically feels like um, he needs another look at it or something like that. He's, he, he, he's decided that he needs to uh, scare himself uh, in order to get a, a, a more science information about <laughs> yeah about the tingler. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gives Dave the night off, which they immediately realize is like, is, is fishy Dave and Lucy too yeah and then he uh locks himself in the lab and he uh drops acid <laughs> and we get some great over-the-top acting from Vincent Price in this scene <laughs> as he's you know trying to sciencefully explain what he's uh <laughs> yeah. going through uh-huh um and uh Dave is is watching from outside the lab uh, with Lucy, uh, and eventually he gets so scared that he he tries not to, but he eventually screams um, and uh, and faints. And so afterwards, Vincent has decided that that you know he 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 needs somebody who has a tingler who's unable to scream uh, and and dissipate the tingler or, or whatever it is that happens when someone screams because. Um, I believe it's screaming may even dissolve it. Dissolve. <laughs> if it's a living organism, kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then um, he decides to uh, go see Ollie and his wife, who is a mute and cannot scream, um, which uh, Dave is, is, is on to, but... <laughs> Seems to think that that's just fine. And, <laughs> and when he gets there, Ollie says that uh, his wife's been having a hard time uh, ever since the like fainting spell she had. And she's, she's been holed up in the apartment. Um, so, <laughs> Which, like, okay. She has it Because I think he also says that she hasn't been able to run the, the ticket booth. There was a small cut on mm-hmm. Vincent Price's hand. And this has, like traumatized her for life as if she's never seen blood before okay yeah. all right <laughs> okay sure um so vincent price goes up he gives her a shot to help her sleep um which you know we're we're all meant to believe the audience to be very suspicious of <laughs> yeah and then he goes downstairs and he gives Ollie a prescription again to help her rest, uh, which uh, Ollie is supposed to go out and, and get filled. Um, and then uh, back in the apartment, Ollie's wife wakes up and, um, oh, by the way, did you recognize her? I did not. No. Really. Because we've seen her before. She's Miss Lonely Hearts from Rear Window. Yeah. Oh! 
her, her oh another mostly <laughs> silent part for her yes <laughs> this poor woman <laughs> good anyway. yeah okay <laughs> so she wakes up to uh just crazy happenings have, have around her apartment so like light is turning out on its own the chair is rocking the door is closing uh as though the place is haunted and then there's another bed in her room and she goes over to it and sees a crazy scary looking man with a knife pops out and like slowly approaches her <laughs> and then she like leaves that room and this is kind of the funny part for me she, then she becomes like scared of the lights that are turning off and i'm like girl if there was a man with a knife in your <laughs> apartment, <laughs> like you need to get out yeah <laughs> and then there's there's a, like a hairy like wolf arm coming out with a with an axe yeah <laughs> Um, and then we go to, she, she hides away in the bathroom, um, and then the sink and, and the tub are filling with blood, which is red, which the whole movie is black and white, by the way, so this is, like, super, <laughs> yeah, super crazy. And then there's a bloody man inside the tub who pops out, and my favorite, <laughs> my favorite detail the bathroom mirror pops open, and on the other side is a death certificate <laughs> that says cause of death, fright. Yeah. And she keels over. <laughs> so then uh, <laughs> Vincent uh, Price gets home. Uh, his wife is uh, still clearly messing around on him because there are two uh, glasses on the table and, a, and a, like a tie clip or something like that. They, they you know argue a bit and before uh, Ollie shows up uh, and he brought his wife who is fainted or maybe dead by now he says but he brought her to Vincent Price because he's the one who gave her the shot and so they bring her into the lab and Vincent Price tells him that she is in fact dead um, and he's <clears throat> uh, consoling him when <laughs> she pops up again <laughs> like very slowly kind of just sits up and then back down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Vincent decides to find out what's going on with that because she is still dead. Um, and cuts her open and takes out the tingler, uh, which is basically like a giant black centipede. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, it's, it, it tries to, like, latch itself onto Vincent Price's arm and, and almost breaks it, but he screams, and then it goes limp. So then he's able to put it into uh, a box. Um, <laughs> and um, his wife is here the whole time, by the way, not the dead wife, sorry, Vincent Price's wife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the dead wife's there, there, too. She's just kind of under a blanket for most of what happens in the rest of the movie. Yeah. The poor woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, um, Vincent Price tells Ollie to take her home and to notify the police, uh, and then, um, uh, Vincent Price's wife is, um, seemingly realizing that this is a, a huge breakthrough for him and, you know, the scientific world. Um, <laughs> she's, she's turned over a new leaf. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. That's what yeah. she's realized. Yeah. <laughs> And wants to celebrate with him and, and talk about how she's been a bad wife, um, but she's going to be better in the future. And so she uh, gives him uh, a glass of, I think it's whiskey. 
Yeah, I think so something too. Something yeah. to celebrate. Um, he's sp- smart enough to uh, realize that he shouldn't take something handed directly to him, so he requests the other glass from her, but she anticipated that. Yeah. <laughs> and then poisoned the other glass. So uh, Vincent Price drinks the poison and then passes out. Um, it doesn't kill him, it just passes him out, but then she takes the tingler into the room and le- <laughs> and opens the box and leaves it with him. Um, and then we get this great some great tingler puppeteering <laughs> as it crawls out of the box and uh, up onto Vincent Price and uh, starts to strangle him with its little, like, antennae. Yeah. <laughs> um, luckily, just at that moment, Lucy comes home uh, and uh, hears Vincent sort of struggling uh, in the other room and comes in, and when she sees the tingler, she screams, uh, so it, it falls limp. Thank goodness. <laughs> A nice effect that they have for it that I, I feel like helps add is that when the tingler is is out, it has like a heartbeat. So you're like hearing this heartbeat yes. to kind of like give like some tension and some life to the to the puppet. So very true. Yes. Yeah. So then, Vincent Price's wife has has checked out. She's gone, probably assuming that she killed him and needs to needs to get out of dodge. But um, uh, Vincent Price at this point just decides that. Um, they need to put the tingler back into uh, Ollie's wife's body. They, he's, he's messing with the, the laws of nature too much. And, you know, just because he could do it doesn't mean he should do it. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he uh, asked Dave to call Ollie up to find out where his wife's body is, but he's not answering. And then he, Dave is calling the coroner and the hospital and, or, and the police, and they know nothing about... Um, Ollie's wife's body so um we see on the other end of this uh phone call that uh Ollie is packing up all of the (laughs) basically uh all of the items that he used to terrorize his wife (laughs) and that it was him and not LSD yeah (laughs) that killed his wife um and he's uh getting all the money out of the safe and getting ready to get out of Dodge. But before he can, Vincent Price shows up with the tingler. Uh, and he wants to, he's figured out what happened and, and wants to uh, put it back in Ollie's wife. But then before, he, I'm sorry, I keep calling her that. I can't remember what her name is. I think it's, it's Martha. <laughs> I don't know if they ever name Martha. her. Martha. Martha. <laughs> Do they ever say her name in the movie? He must have said been... it when he first introduces her. It, it may have been when you first introduced it because I would have written it down once and then I would just write it down like all the, the yeah. time. So, yeah. Yeah, before he can get the tingler back into Martha, it gets, it, it like breaks out of the box, like a metal box because it's that strong, remember? Yeah, nothing it can, can, it can crack a human spine. Nothing can destroy <laughs> it. That's why it has to go back in her body. Cause yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. Um, and goes down a loose floorboard into the silent movie theater below. And this is like the big, the big scene in the movie that I think, uh, you know, probably everybody remembers. Um, it's uh, just kind of traveling around between, <laughs> between the rows in the theater. <laughs> and um, and uh, Vincent Price and Ollie are looking for it. Um, it uh, uh, latches onto a girl's leg and she screams. And then uh, they stop the movie and tell everybody not to be afraid um that a woman has fainted and here's the thing (laughs) 
it, it's fun to watch now, like just as as a movie. It at the time that the movie was released in theaters, they also would hire actors to there's there was a real woman who would faint in the theater with people and then there were paramedics who would come in and <laughs> and help her out of the theater they would even have like ambulances like they went full on that's so great <laughs> um they, they flip the lights back up um and then we see the tingler uh, um like kind of uh, crawling across the the projection screen and the lights go down again. And then you have Vincent Price telling everybody that if they feel a tingling sensation, they need to scream. Um, another thing that they did for theaters uh, was add a little like electric buzzer under certain seats in movie theaters that would buzz during this, this, <laughs> this scene, <laughs> which is awesome. And I wish I could have experienced yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I wish they could do this now. I know. And apparently they also had a version for drive-in theaters um, that was William Castle and not Vin Vincent Price, but telling everybody uh, to, you know, scream if they, they felt anything during oh. this, this part of the movie. Um, so, you know what? Drive-ins are still, are still up and running. We can do some, somebody, <laughs> somebody get the original Tingler for yes. drive-ins and show it. I want to see it. Yeah. The lights come back up. The Tingler is attacking the um, projectionist, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he screams in time and it, and it falls limp. Um, one of the things I love is Vincent Price shows up with Ollie and and they get the the Tingler into like a film canister. And the projectionist, after almost being strangled to death by this giant centipede, just like goes back to work. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, yes, you screamed in time, and he's like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Better check on the movie. <laughs> yeah, we're still watching the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get it upstairs. Um, they get it back into Martha. Uh, and then um, Ollie pulls a gun on Vincent Price, but uh, Vincent's like, nah, you're not going to use that. And he just leaves. <laughs> and... Um, then uh, the door closes on its own, and the window closes on its own, and uh, Martha sits up and stands up and looks at Ollie, and he is terrorized and fright, but we do not see him scream before the, the screen goes black. <laughs> and we get a final word from Vincent Price telling us that if we don't believe in the, the Tingler, that the next time we feel afraid that we should not scream. So that is the Tingler. <laughs> And it's still a lot of fun. I know we saw this in the theater mm -hmm. last year for Halloween. I think it was last year, um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's campy and it's like, it's very silly, but it's also in a way that I think is still very entertaining for modern audiences. Um, and even if you're not in a theater, I think it's still fun to watch at home just because there's, man, the people in this movie are messed up. <laughs> Yeah, it also, it moves quickly. It's not like there's a bunch okay. of wasted time or anything. It's like everything means something, you know, with the with the different relationships and stuff like that. But yeah, I had fun watching it. I watched it by myself at home, which was fun. And obviously when we went to go and see it in the theater, that was the first time I'd seen it. That was mm -hmm. also very fun. So yeah, I think uh, it works just as well now as it did in uh, 1959. Yeah. So. And then our second film is Harley Quinn. Uh, so at the beginning, we get uh, a whole backstory 
on Harley Quinn. For anyone who has never heard of her before, seen her before. So we get like a very condensed little like Harley Quinn backstory. So uh, it's like animated. We see that her name is Harley Quinzel, played by Margot Robbie. And that her father traded her for a six-pack of beer, but she just kept coming back home. Uh, and then he eventually dropped her off at the Good Sisters of St. Bernadette's. She went to college. She got her degree. She became a psychologist. She met Mr. J, the Joker. She went into a vat of chemicals uh, to prove her love for him. So then they were both crazy. So they were this Batman villain couple. Uh, but he's, he's abusive. He's an abusive boyfriend. Um, and not good to her. And so then they broke up which clearly he dumped her, <laughs> and even though she wouldn't <laughs> say that. Um, and then now she has her own apartment. Uh, I do enjoy, because she has, you know, tattoos on her body, and one of her, like, her nickname for him is Puddin', and so to change it, because they've broken up, as you have to fix tattoos sometimes, right. it now says Puddin' Cups yeah. on her leg. <laughs> so I enjoy that. She cuts her hair, and she cries, uh, and she gets a hyena, like she does in the cartoon, except we only have one instead of two. Um but yeah, so we have a hyena named Bruce. So then now kind of like in the present time, she does roller derby for fun. And like while we're there, we see Cassandra Kane, who is a teenager and a pickpocket. Um, By the way, I love that her roller derby uh, helmet has her hair taped to it, the hair that she cut off <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. So then we go to uh, Roman's club. So Harley is at the Black Mass Club and she breaks the club owner Roman Sionis played by Ewan McGregor she breaks his driver's legs because he says something rude to her but Roman doesn't do anything because she is the Joker's girlfriend and with that uh, comes immunity and so she has she can just do whatever she wants and so she doesn't tell anybody uh, that they broke up and after getting drunk she decides to have closure to their relationship by stealing a gas trunk and truck and driving it into the Ace Chemicals plant and it has all this huge explosion, and it looks really great. Um, but yeah, so she feels like she got the closure. She's drunk. She feels like she got, yeah. she got the closure that, that she that she needed. Well, destruction of property is exactly what you need after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back four minutes in time, and we meet Renee Montoya, played by Rosie Perez, and she's going over a crime scene with a bunch of guys that are dead in a restaurant booth, and her partner. Her partner had taken credit for a career-making case 10 years ago, and he is now the captain, and she is still a detective. And um, so we get this like, interesting visual, uh, kind of like the movie Boondock Saints, if you remember that, where we get to see the crime actually happening and the detective figuring it out at the same time. So we mm -hmm. see Mary Elizabeth Winstead come in, and she takes out all the guys by herself, and then Montoya is explaining um, that it was really all about one guy in the, the restaurant booth uh, and not all of the guys. And it goes back and forth between the two of them until we hear the huge explosion of Harley driving the truck into Ace Chemicals. So then Montoya goes out and realizes that uh, Harley Quinn and the Joker must have broken up because, and she's just declared open season on herself with this giant <laughs> message to everyone in Gotham. So then Roman Sionis uh, has actor Francois Chow, a.k.a. Mr. Keogh in this film, a.k.a. Jules Pierre Mao in The Expanse, a.k.a. Yay. Dr. Pierre <laughs> Chang from The Dharma Initiative and Lost. So he has... Love him. Yeah. <laughs> so he is like strung up in like a warehouse with his wife and his daughter. Uh, Mr. Keogh has turned down uh, like a deal with Roman. So Victor Zaz, uh, played by Chris Mancina, Cuts off his face. The face yeah. off. So 
So Roman just It's very bloody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I it, they don't actually show much, I don't think. I think they cut away, but it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, it's brutal. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Roman decides that they can let the the daughter go uh, because they've already sent a, a pretty loud message of cutting Mr. Keo's face off. But then the daughter has a snot bubble in her nose because she's been crying and Roman gets grossed out, changes his mind. It is like no, you just peel off her face. Peel off her face, too. And uh, we get his title, uh, which is Black Mask. Yeah. So then um, Harley watches her breakfast sandwich get made. Ah. Uh, I know. The, the, I've never related to a character more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's a beautiful scene. <laughs> it is. So the, uh, she's watching her breakfast sandwich get made. And, like, I can't do the cracking the egg in one hand thing. No. Can you do that? I can't yeah. do that. This guy cracks two. He cracks two eggs and opens them in one hand. I feel like them. our hand span is maybe not enough that we I, – I, I have occasionally successfully done it with one, but it's hard. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's hard to do. Yeah, there's no way I could fit two eggs in my hand, crack them open, yeah. and let the eggs out. But this guy can do it. So her breakfast sandwich is like egg, bacon, American cheese, soft toasted buttered roll, and a dash of hot sauce. And while she's describing it, very white music starts playing, and like her hand, her hair is just like blowing in the wind. Um, yeah, so that's pretty great. I miss getting <laughs> breakfast sandwiches. <sighs> anyway, so right as she's about to take a bite of her sandwich. Montoya shows up and tries to arrest her so she goes on the run and then she's interacting with other people that she has also wronged in the city as well so it's like really colorful graphics on the screen that say like what who they are and what their grievance is with Harley Montoya knocks her ends up knocking her down she loses her sandwich (laughs) which is really terrible just the the worst moment I mean we just saw somebody get their face uh cut off but I think the death of the sandwich may have been yeah. <laughs> more upsetting yeah she's so sad that's all she wanted uh, yeah. so then she says with the walls closing in around me I made a carefully calculated highly strategic move and she just throws garbage she just hurls garbage <laughs> at people uh, and then she breaks the fourth wall uh, and says that felt pretty great mm-hmm. so then the guy with the the tattoos on his face that was like coming after her um, is about to kill her and Mary Elizabeth Winstead shows up again and it lists no name or grievance because we don't know who she is and she shoots the guy uh, with an arrow in the throat or with the yeah, crossbow arrow in the throat. <laughs> so then they go to the police station. Montoya is at, at work. Uh, she's clearly not respected by the other cops that work there. Cassandra Kane, uh, our teen pickpocket from the beginning is there. Assistant DA uh, Ali Wong is Montoya's ex and is also not on her side. Everybody's against her, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's very familiar like cop storyline stuff. Yes. Um, that the that the movie kind of calls calls out on because Harley's doing this like uh, you know monologuing through the whole thing and like narrating it for us. Yes. Um, but it is great because we can kind of skip like go through all of this very quickly because it's uh, it's stuff that the audience is going to be very familiar with. Yeah, you can like keep up with it that like her boss is her former partner that took credit for something that yeah. she did and <laughs> yeah, so 
so then Montoya explains to everybody that she thinks that Roman is going to try to get a hold of the Bertinelli diamond. We flash back 15 years ago to the Bertinelli Mafia family who was massacred because someone wanted their fortune in offshore bank accounts. The account numbers were encoded on a 30-carat diamond. The diamond was lost, so was the fortune. Um, and then we see Dinah Lance, played by Journey Smollett. She calls Montoya to tell her that Cassandra Kane has the diamond. Yes, the little pickpocket. Yes. So then Harley also shows up at the police station looking for Cassandra Kane and starts shooting the cops with beanbags and colorful smoke and glitter. <laughs> so then we're going to cut back again in time. We <laughs> get another flashback. Uh, to it's ex- crazy how, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like non-linear yeah. the story is. And I did not remember it being that way at all. Like I just remembered like... It, it all makes sense as you're watching it, but, like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, back and forth yeah. and flashbacks and, like... <laughs> yeah. Because you're able to keep up. I feel like it's just, like, okay, these all things all make sense, and then it's, like, oh, but we're going to get the backstory for why each of these things yeah. is, is happening. So we go back. We get another flashback to a week before when she was drunk at Roman's Club. Dinah Lance, uh, who is Black Canary, Journey Smollett, is, like, a singer at the nightclub, Roman is trying to become partners with Mr. Keogh, uh, and he turns him down to become partners, which obviously later is why he loses his face. Harley explains to Black Canary that uh, Harlequin's role is to serve an audience, a master. You know, a Harlequin's nothing without a master, and no one gives two fucks who we are beyond that. She tells Black Canary that her and the Joker broke up, so they're both just people that are alone in the world. And then Black Canary sees some guys uh, trying to get drunk Harley into a van. So she fights them, saving Harley. While Harley just keeps drunkenly saying, I got this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> and just falls down. Uh, and then Roman. I also yeah. really love Black Canary's uh, fighting style. It's very uh, leg intensive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a lot of kicking. And you know what? It works. It works great. <laughs> yeah. She looks great. Yeah. They all have different different kinds of styles because like Montoya punches a lot yeah (laughs) um so Roman out of his window sees Black Canary you know fighting and she gets promoted to become his driver now instead of the singer at the at the nightclub Black Canary goes home Cassandra Kane lives in her building uh she has foster parents that are fighting so her home life is is not great and then Montoya goes to Black Canary to try to get uh, info about the diamond but black canary's mom had helped out the gotham city police department and ended up dead so black canary is not going to help montoya find the diamond so then i wrote down this little exchange between victor zaz and roman who have a very interesting relationship and i mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to pin down because i feel like they're not together like they're not a couple but they seem really flirty like they could be a couple so i i don't yeah. i don't know but so like zaz tells roman that like the crossbow killer struck again last night rossi and four of his guys which would be the restaurant booth like from the beginning that um montoya is going over the crime scene and then roman says people don't kill people i own without my permission why doesn't this crossbow <laughs> guy know that you fucking know that? And Zaz is like, I know that. And Roman, why doesn't this crossbow guy know that? Why don't I own the crossbow guy? And Zaz is like, you should own him. And he's just rubbing his shoulders trying to to comfort him. And Roman goes, I mean, I like crossbows. Like, he's just, he's so sensitive and emotional. Yeah. Uh, 
Which is really fun because he's unpredictable in that way that he's very like violent but also mm-hmm. gets upset about things really easily. Um, so yeah, I'm not I really sure. enjoyed your uh, reenactment of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Ian Regard is clearly having a lot of fun playing. Yeah, this, he's, <laughs> he's so good. So then Black Canary shows up uh, for her first day of work as the as the driver, as Roman's driver. And she's, like, looking at all these artifacts because he likes masks, which I guess is a, a thing that they've carried over um, from his character in the, in the comics and stuff. Um, so he's, like, she's looking at them. And I feel like he cares that he owns these things, but he doesn't really care about the history of them also. So, like, he's showing her a shrunken head. And he's, like, they boil their heads of their little enemies and they make these out these little fellas exquisite, aren't they? Look at those little ears. And his little haircut. Yeah, he's like a thousand years old. And now he's just an ornament in my living room. Ew. I love it. He's just nuts. So uh, while he's showing uh, Black Canary a a statue of himself, uh, Zaz tells Roman that Harley and the Joker broke up. And uh, Black Canary and Zaz are going to go and pick up the diamond because Montoya was right. So then... Uh, Cassandra Kane is also on the street where they are, and she steals the diamond off of Zaz right after they pick it up. Which, if Zaz had just let Black Canary hold the diamond, because she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, uh, Roman wanted me to hold it, but Zaz wants to hold it. This story would have been a lot shorter, yeah, because like, <laughs> it wouldn't have gotten stolen. Um, <laughs> But so anyway, so Cassandra Kane steals the, the diamond off of Zaz, and then she immediately gets picked up by the cops. She swallows the diamond, um, and then Harley uh, gets taken in by Roman's guys off the street at the, at the same time. So now Harley then convinces uh, Roman that if he lets her go, she can find the diamond. And he backhands her yeah, across. It says the- so on her business card. She yes. Her-, her lovely business card that has like <laughs> glitter on it and is just like handwritten on. Yeah. <laughs> How do you spell mercenary? <laughs> so he gets really annoyed with her though and he backhands her across the face. She then breaks the fourth wall, and we get a weird Harley version of Marilyn Monroe's Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I enjoy... the second time that Ian McGregor has yes. been in a Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Much different circumstances. But... <laughs> than Moulin Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fun sequence. And then uh, when she kind of snaps out of it, she now has this mission and he just for you know to cover his bases he puts out a half a million dollar bounty on cassandra kane and if his guys you know can can get cassandra kane first then he still gets to kill harley so it works out for him either way so now we are back at the police station um harley as she's like killing the cops and looking for cassandra kane not killing the cops but shooting the cops and looking for cassandra kane she notices a poster of boomerang from Suicide Squad on the wall and she's like I know that guy and then she like leaves the room <laughs> so the sprinklers go off in the police station and she's walking past all the cells of uh, the different criminals and guys that she's pissed off and then suddenly all the cell doors open so now she has mm-hmm. to fight all of these guys which is a great sequence of slow motion fighting in the water yeah, um, 
all the sprinklers are pooling on the on the ground yes. so you get like every kick and everything is like water spraying everywhere yeah um so she defeats them uh but then the mercenaries show up wanting their their half a million dollars at the police station so now harley has to fight them and she fights them in the evidence room she finds a baseball bat and <laughs> there's a scene where they're all firing these guns and she's behind a bunch of like cocaine in the evidence locker and they're shooting it so it just all kind of falls in her face <laughs> and her eyes get really wide and then now she's high and she fights them all and it's a really fun sequence uh and then montoya shows up and tries to stop her but it doesn't work and she ends up stealing a getaway van from the evidence room uh so harley yeah, it's more like an evidence garage i guess yes <laughs> yeah I, you know, and I, I guess Gotham's probably would be big. I feel like they yeah, probably would have true. a lot of evidence in it. Yeah. Um, so in the van, Harley tells Cassandra how there's a half a million dollar bounty on her head because of the diamond. And Cassandra tells Harley, Harley that she can't give it to her because she ate it. So <laughs> they decide to buy some laxatives and just try to, you know, wait out to get the diamond out. So Harley takes Cassandra to her apartment above uh, Doc's Place, a Chinese food restaurant. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead shows up. And then we get the backstory that she is the Bertinelli daughter who survived the massacre. And now she's out for revenge against the people who killed her family. Um, and everyone is calling her the crossbow killer, like around town. <laughs> but she calls herself Huntress. Yes. Which is a great name. I like Huntress. But also crossbow killer does have a better ring to it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, feel, well. <laughs> I feel like the crossbow killer is a good intimidating name when people are talking about someone. Yeah. I wonder if that would be harder as like a name for someone. Like if I had to, every time I had to address you to your face and like yeah. if I was like, and the me and the crossbow killer are going to. <laughs> it's kind of like Hannibal Lecter, Chesapeake Ripper type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then uh, Montoya gets suspended from work. Uh, the police and the mercenaries find Harley and Cassandra because Doc sold them out. He tells her that, like, it's just business. So then Harley, at a low point, also decides to make a business decision. And she's going to give Roman Cassandra in exchange for calling off all these goons that are now um, after her. So they're going to meet at the booby trap for the exchange. Black Canary tips <laughs> off Montoya that the exchange is happening. Um, Zaz kind of figures it out. Um, and tells Roman the Black Canaries betrayed him, so now he's going to come to the exchange himself. So everybody's going uh, to the booby trap. Harley figures if Cassandra Kane passes the diamond before everyone gets there, that Cassandra will be fine, which I feel like is like a little let it, so you still like her, that it's not like, oh, she's willing to let the kid die. That it's like, right. no, she's hoping she doesn't have to do this. She's just, she's a bad guy pushed into a corner, but, you know, not yeah. totally terrible. Um, so Montoya shows up. And fights Harley. And then Harley says, you killed my sandwich before kicking her <laughs> out of a window. And then right as Montoya is going out, then Black Canary and Zaz show up. Zaz shoots Harley with a tranquilizer dart in the neck. Um, and he wants Black Canary to cut the diamond out of Cassandra, which Black Canary will not do. Um, uh, you know, I feel like it's unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just to have a little patience, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he's... It's coming out. He clearly likes violence. He's a face peeler. Yeah, um, that's true. And he wants her to have to... Pr 
prove, you know, um, herself, even though he knows that yeah. she's already betrayed. I just, I, I question his, you know, uh, I, I feel like just because she's not willing to cut into a, a child <laughs> does not necessarily mean that she is uh, disloyal. I mean, she is disloyal, but we know that, but he doesn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. Um. Yeah, so then Hunter shows up and she shoots Saz in the neck with an arrow. And then Montoya climbs back through the window. And then Black Mask shows up outside with his, like, paid-for army of people. And they realize that all these women realize that they're going to have to work together if they want to make it out alive. Yeah, they all have, uh, basically, like, even though, like, Huntress only showed up to kill Zaz because he's the last henchman that she needed revenge on and all this stuff, like... They realize that all of them uh, are going to be targeted by the, these people outside, even though they may not have intended to be. Yes, for different so reasons. Together is, yeah, yeah, for different reasons. So yeah. working together is the only way to get out. Yes. So then we get a really great action sequence in like a fun house. Essentially, we yeah. have a tube slide. We have like all the like the mirrors. We have a like a trampoline with giant hands and like squeaky tongues. I don't really know how to describe it. You can like jump from like tongue to tongue. So that's that's you say squeaky tongues. They like they feel like they make noises like a like a like a clown shoe. I think okay, when she's yeah. like, you know, your classic squeaky tongue. So yeah, yeah. it's some very fun set design, and I would like to know. I w- I would have liked to have been on the meeting that decided like you know the the action because i feel like you've got to have like choreographers there and set designers there to like figure out how are we going to create this space and also uh create fight sequences around these these like weird spaces yeah yeah uh and i feel like it's something where like in a normal movie you can't have something quite so over the top or cartoony and stuff but because you're balancing like a comic book like things can be a little like larger or weirder than they would be in in another setting and i'm really glad that they like leaned into that in mm-hmm. this um and then at one point uh black canary mentions that when did like harley have time for a shoe change because now she has roller skates on okay. <laughs> and then because black canary's hair is you know down it's not back she like offers her a hair tie and she gives her a hair <laughs> tie and puts it up so i i really enjoy that because it's, it's like a, the little yeah. There's <laughs> a moment of uh, uh, like down to earth, like every woman relates to this moment. Yeah, <laughs> being practical. Yeah, because <laughs> you do wonder that. It's like, all right, well, I feel like you could look better in an action sequence with your hair down, but it's just whipping around and getting in your mm-hmm. face, and it's it's impractical. So <laughs> tie it back. So they think that they're done, and they walk out. And as soon as they get outside. Uh, Montoya gets shot, but she is wearing one of Harley Quinn's. It's like a, it's a corset. It's yeah, like it's a bulletproof a, corset. Yeah, <laughs> well, her classic like red and black, uh, yeah, corset. So, is so she, maybe. Yeah, I don't know the difference. So anyway, <laughs> it's bulletproof. So Montoya's fine, but one of the goons like steals uh, Cassandra. So Black Canary does the canary cry. And it like blows a bunch of the a bunch of the guys down, but Roman manages to get away in his car with Cassandra. So uh, Harley's gonna skates after the car, and um, Huntress has like her motorcycle, and so she starts pulling Harley on the with like a rope on the on the motorcycle, 
And then she catches up to the car and they fight on the car and the car crashes. And then Harley chases Roman and Cassandra out onto Founders Pier in the fog. So Harley apologizes to Cassandra, um, you know, for being willing to trade her, trying to trade trade her. And Cassandra apologizes for taking Harley's ring. And then she shows her the pulled pin from one of Harley's grenades. So Harley throws Roman over the balcony and he just explodes into pieces. On the way down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, he doesn't even get to the water. He just explodes it on on the way down yes. to the water. Which is a much better effect. If you're going to go for a rated yeah. R movie, it's like, don't just have an explosion underwater. Like, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> it's all gooey. Something that he would hate. Um, so then, because uh, they have like fought into, into morning. So the women are now bonding over tacos and morning margaritas. <laughs> and like Black Canary, she's talking to Hunter and she's like, and I love that fucking name, Huntress. And, <laughs> and Huntress is like, um, I really like how you're able to kick so high in those tight pants. Like, yeah. she's just so <laughs> awkward. So, Cassandra. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cassandra. Yeah, I love the awkwardness of Huntress, who was, like, raised, like, you know, by these assassins and, like, was so focused on just getting revenge her whole life. And now she's, like, having to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have social skills, which is a no. very interesting thing since they're all very different women. So it's mm-hmm. great that she's so great at fighting but cannot talk to people. Like, <laughs> yeah, so Cassandra passes the diamond. Harley and Cassandra steal Black Canary's car. Montoya quits the police force. They get the bank codes off of the diamond and Huntress gets her fortune back. So she is now funding the Birds of Prey, which is a crime-fighting outfit made up of her, Montoya, and Black Canary. Harley pawned the diamond and made Cassandra her apprentice. And it ends with Carly, Cassandra, and Bruce the hyena driving off, eating the breakfast sandwiches, um, and Harley talking uh, to us, like breaking the fourth wall one last time. Yep. <laughs> so then at the very end of the credits, just as like a small thing. So the end of the credits, there's like voiceover of Harley who's going to tell us like a secret about Batman, but it gets mm-hmm. cut off. So cut we don't get to <laughs> get to hear the end of it. So yeah, this movie is really fun. I love the clothes in it, which oh, are yeah. really great. Uh, <laughs> it's really great clothes all around. Um, the like fringe, like the like holographic fringe, like crop jacket I guess yeah. that she's wearing like the, and... the ring coat and her yeah. her like yellow jumper that she has mm-hmm. when they're fighting with the roller skates is really great um yeah because there was like a Margot Robbie was quoted like because the movie had like a female director writer and producer the outfits were less male gazy than her uh outfits in Suicide Squad yeah um so they're more practical I get because it sounded like her outfits in Suicide Squad were maybe uncomfortable but she has like really short shorts and just you know like a yeah, t-shirt like and... booty shorts <laughs> yeah uh, um, and a chunky belt <laughs> yeah um so while it didn't come up in the movie I guess in the comics Cassandra Kane is also Batgirl she's oh. one of the the several people that plays you know Batgirl and then um when Montoya talks to her at the police station and says like what no comeback like when she insults her uh, Cassandra Kane like coughs and rubs her throat because she's just swallowed the diamond. Uh, but in the comics, her character started out as a mute, so it's just like a little nod to the oh. fact that she starts out as a mute and then she slowly like talks more. I guess I guess throughout them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
when Black Canary texts Montoya to tell her about the exchange that's going to happen at the booby trap, the TV is on in the background, which I guess is a scene from Days of Our Lives where actress Arlene Sorkin is dressed as a clown. And Paul Dini, one of the creators of Harley Quinn, he was inspired by that scene to create the character of Harley Quinn and then um, had Ar Arlene Sorkin voiced uh, Harley Quinn in Batman the Animated Series and like a bunch of other stuff. Oh, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. This movie's a lot of fun and I think the actors it's... all had a lot of fun and did a really great job in all these different roles. Yeah. Um, um... Anyway, do you want to talk about how, yeah, I guess we, we should mention we also watched uh, one week uh, a Buster Keaton short Um that breaks the fourth wall in, in, in one of the scenes, um, which I actually kind of like as a a bridge almost between these two movies. You like it's a silent short, so you've got, you know, that element of the tingler, and then there's there's a lot of like almost like like comedic action in one week that yeah. kind of feels very relevant to Birds of Prey and what yeah. they're doing, uh, particularly in the last uh, you know, fight sequence in the in the fun house. Um and the, the fourth wall break is uh, this, this moment when um, because of the plot of one week is uh, Buster Keaton gets married uh, and then um, he and his wife go and uh, are, they are gifted a house by his uncle and it's, it, it's like a, a build your own house. Yes, a kit, and, yeah. <laughs> and the man that his wife um, rejected for marriage uh, decides to mess with them and and uh, repaint the numbers on on the instructions for building the house so then they have just this mess of a a sort of fun house that they uh, get up to a lot of shenanigans in yes <laughs> for the yeah. rest of the movie yeah um but in the fourth wall break his uh, wife is taking a bath and the soap slips out of her hand and as she's going to reach for it she realizes that if she if she reaches as far as she needs to then she'll uh be over the lip of the tub and so she'll be topless in front of the camera and she looks up at the camera and then a hand comes around uh, the the camera lens and covers it up um so that she can reach the soap and then uh, goes back away as soon as she's reached it which is yeah. really cute and funny <laughs> yeah i probably would have been like one of the first times i would think so like one, yeah um it's you know it feels like not not only acknowledging the audience, but also the fact that like there's a man filming this, you know, yeah, <laughs> like because you've got a hand there. But it's also interesting how the fourth wall breaks are used in all of these movies in different ways. Like that's clearly you know comedic, and then uh, the Tingler uses it to sort of bring the audience into you know as sort of a gimmick to bring the audience into um, the you know the fear of the thing and make yeah. them feel like the tingler is a real thing and then birds of prey i almost feel like is using it like uh as a way to it kind of feels like you're at a slumber party with harley quinn you know like <laughs> it it feels like a way to make it more uh familiar um for the audience yeah like personal like you're interacting yeah. with her you're on like this this journey with her yeah yeah you don't want anything bad to happen happen to her as, as she goes yeah um, yeah, I really enjoyed One Week. I'd never seen a Buster Keaton film before. Yeah. Um, it was so good. Like, I, it was. It was very fun. <laughs> I feel like it's it's one of those things that's, you know, almost entirely at this this house that, like, can rotate around. And 
Mm-hmm. And it's just so impressive, like, what he does and, you know, how physical he has to be. And, like, it's used for comedy, but it's also just, it's so clever and it seems so dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really does, because some of them you're like, okay, he just fell, like, in that far. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, well, stunt actors, what? <laughs> yeah. We don't have this. <laughs> no. So I just can't imagine, like, Yeah. They should, like, they should, I don't know why there isn't, like, a movie about him. Like, considering that he had to do this, you know, when we went and we saw, like, the the Laurel and Hardy movie, it's like, there should be a movie about him. There's a movie about Charlie Chaplin, so I feel like there should be a movie, like, about him that, like, recreates, like, some of these things and how difficult it was and everything. uh, Maybe there is, and they just don't know about it, but I, Maybe. But, yeah. Oh, and it's called One Week because it takes place over one week that they have this house. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yes, anybody should watch it if you can. It's on um, Tubi for free. It's also on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube. Oh, okay. And it's only 25 minutes, and I really would recommend it because it is amazing. For a movie in 1920 also, like watching this and the stunts that are in it, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the house, the you know, they clearly had to build um, and just everything that that happens with it uh, is, is... uh, very impressive, yes. I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a great short. If you wanted to do this movie marathon, you could do it before the movies mm-hmm. or you could do it uh, almost like in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about food? Food. Um, okay, so I don't think there was much food in <sighs> The Tingler. There's drinks, obviously. She poisons Vincent Price with what I believe to be whiskey. Um but I was thinking uh, uh, it would actually be fun to create, if you, if you wanted a themed food, um, a, like a gummy tingler uh, candy. Oh, that's <laughs> such a good idea. That's Especially because it looks so much like a centipede. I would imagine that there are probably centipede molds out there for gummy candies. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't be that hard to find. And you just need to do like, you know, do them in black uh, to make them look, look like the tingler. Which makes me think of black licorice, which I would not make them flavored that. But, you know, (laughs) that's the fun of making it yourself. It can be black, colored black and not flavored black. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There was not very, like, the only things that I have written down are coffee. Yeah. Like, their nightcap. So, a cocktail. uh, Beer, because Ollie's going to go and get, like, a beer while his wife Mm -hmm. sleeps. And then popcorn, because they're at the the movie theater. Yes. Theater theater popcorn would also be. Yeah, popcorn and, and and gummies. That's a great job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for birds of prey, we have spray cheese that she uh, sprays in her mouth <laughs> when she's depressed over her breakup. Um, alcohol, because she's drinking alcohol at the club. We have like the margaritas at the beginning and at the end. Um, obviously, the star, the breakfast sandwich. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, we also have popcorn in this one. And then when they're shopping at the grocery store, when, sorry, when they steal groceries at the grocery store, uh, they have like marshmallow fluff, chips, and cereal. Um, they mention like the beef Mongolian on the menu at the restaurant, at Doc's restaurant. Um, we have licorice that she shares with Bruce, that she does a lady in the tramp with Bruce. Uh, we have the candy <laughs> necklace around the beaver. Uh, we have Tutti Frutti cereal that they eat out of the bowls where she just dumps the food that was in the bowls and then fills them with cereal for Basically, her. Basically, imagine if you, when you were 12, you could go to the grocery store and just buy yeah. <laughs> yeah. whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is Harley Quinn's diet. Yeah. 
And I thought about trying to make cereal, like trying to make uh, like a version of Fruit Loops, but there aren't as many recipes online, and I, I feel like I'd have to buy a lot of stuff that I may never use again. So I'm not going to do that. I am going to attempt to do the breakfast sandwich, even though mm-hmm. I already made breakfast for um, our uh, Agoraphobic Hitchcock episode. But I'm oh. going to attempt to make the ciabatta bread bun and I'm gonna try to color it in like really bright colors like the movie so we'll see how that goes I've ordered uh like the powdered food coloring so we'll see how that (laughs) how that goes uh yeah so that that's my plan is to make the breakfast sandwich so I'm excited I want to see it yeah (laughs) Maybe I can get a, a, a ciabatta loaf. From yes. Loaf. Yes. Yeah. If it all works out. Um, I'm imagining it like something like the rainbow bagels. Like that's what. Yeah. I was thinking like a tie dye thing. So if it was uh, like yellow and pink or like pink and green or, you know, like different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. They should all be hopefully, you know, like different colors or something when it, but yeah. So I can definitely drop them off because who makes like four ciabattas in one? It's like, no, you got to make like 12. So. Right. Yes, if it works out, I will happily drop you off some ciabatta rolls. <laughs> All right, so Grace, do you want to tell people what is our theme for next time? Yeah, so, um, oh, well, first you can find us uh, on Instagram at uh, movie underscore matchup, and you can uh, also find some of our treats on Sugared Nerd, uh, the website or Instagram or Twitter or all the things. Um, and then please uh, join us next week for our theme post-Halloween Halloween. And we shall end this episode by saying, don't panic, but scream for your lives. 